Conservative Beast Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Hardy. Welcome to the program. Um, <coughs> well, guys, something amazing happened this week. Something, something fantastical. Something I haven't seen in almost two years. Um, my liberal friends on social media, and yes, I live in California, so I have liberal friends I grew up with and stuff. So people I went to high school with, people I've worked with, all this kind of stuff. <coughs> my liberal friends on social media actually shared something to their social media pages that the Biden administration did that they were proud of. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. For, for almost two years, I have never seen this. I've seen them share things that, well, Trump did this and Trump did that, okay? I've seen them share things about stuff that had nothing to do with any administration, and they're just like problems in the world, or things that they're concerned about, or I've, I've seen them share opinions about stuff. Um, you know, and I've seen them share things that they were upset about, right? Like the whole abortion stuff and all that. But I've never seen them share anything that they're proud of. For almost two years, but for some reason, when the Biden administration comes out and, and, and says they're going to attempt to cancel, and I say attempt, and I'll explain why, to cancel $10,000 in student loan debt for people who have federally backed loans, they got excited. They got excited. In fact, I have one, one friend who told me when I kind of pointed out the problems, and I will lay this stuff out for you guys, the, the problems with this, she said, why can't you just be happy? A lot of people are getting help. Why can't you just be happy? Why do you always have to be confrontational? Well, for one, it's unethical. Okay, it's unethical. And the point I pointed out to her was this. I was like, okay, look, uh, I want my neighbors to pay off my truck. My truck is expensive. I purchased it. I knowingly knew what I was getting into. I signed up for the loan. I, I signed the agreement that I would pay this thing back. I signed it with a specific amount of interest that I knew I'm going to have to pay on this truck when I bought it. I knew what the payment was going to be each month. Okay, I'm the only one who uses my truck. I'm the only one who benefits from it. I'm the only one who gets any use from it. It assists me when going to and from work. But I want my neighbors to pay it off. I mean, that's essentially what's happening, right? Your degree is your degree. I don't benefit from your degree. Right? You're the one who makes money from it. You're the one who uses it, and sometimes you use it, sometimes you don't. I mean, you got some gender studies degree. I can't help you. That shouldn't be that. For me, okay, okay. So, but yeah, you, you understand why I call it unethical? Because it would be wrong for me to go to my neighbors and demand that they pay off my debt. Right? And on top of that, what about the people who have already paid off their student loan debt? The ones who did work hard and made it their priority and made double payments, triple payments, payment and a half and stuff, trying to pay it down because the interest rates suck. I had one friend tell me that she had originally taken out a loan for $22,000. They've been making payments on it, and she did the math and realized they paid almost $50,000 so far over the years on their student loan debt. Right? Another friend told me, you know what? He just pulled out money against his house and paid off his because the interest rates were so much better. Right? And his monthly payment went up just maybe 100 bucks or so or maybe 200 bucks. And, but he had no more student loan debt when that saved him hundreds of dollars a month. Is that the wisest way to go about it? Maybe not. It's to each their own. But that's what they had to do. Are they getting any type of rebate? So let me tell you something. If, first, thing that, first issue that's coming up with this whole thing, okay? Interest rates are always high on student loan debts. And the reason why is this, because there's nothing to repossess, right? When I buy my truck or when I bought my truck, okay, my interest rates weren't super high, okay, I actually got a fairly decent deal, not the best, but a fairly decent deal on my interest rate, 
Um, because if I fault on my payment, they could just take my truck and recover a lot of their money. Right? That, that's how that works. Okay? Will they still take a loss? Yeah, because vehicles don't hold their value, but they will recover a lot of their money. So it's a less risky investment for them. Houses, houses usually have very low interest rates for home loans because if you fault on the payment, they will repossess your house and they'll likely make money on the deal. Right? People don't think about that, but banks usually make money when they repossess a home. Why? Because over the years, the value of the home goes up and everything like that. So when they take it from you because you faulted on payments, they get to not only sell it, recover all their money that they have invested in you, but they also make a little bit extra, right? They don't typically send you a check saying, hey, this was the extra money. We, we paid ourselves back, but here, here's the extra 40 grand or whatever that we ended up making off this whole deal. It'd be nice if they did, but they don't. Okay. So a banking institution no banking institution in their right mind would ever give anyone a student loan. Nobody. Because it's just a risky investment. And I've actually made this joke before, saying that if I took out $100,000 in student loans, I would go out, get my degree, get that good job, buy that good car, buy that good house, and then I'd stop paying on the loan. Because they can't come along and repossess my house. They can't come along and repossess my car. Okay? Yeah, it's going to mess up my credit for like five to seven years. But that's okay. If I don't have any major purchases to do, I'll be fine. Or what some people do is they get married and they piggyback off their spouse's um, good credit when they're making purchases. Right? The loan gets faulted. Now, I'm sure there's legal ramifications for that. Others, you know, maybe they could repossess a car. I don't know. I would, I would consult a lawyer before doing that. But that was the joke, right? That was the point I was trying to make <clears throat> was these loans, in order for them to even happen, had to be federally backed. Basically, the federal government had to come to these banks and say, hey, look, loan out the money, and if they fault in the loans, we will insure it. So you, the bank, don't, don't lose any money. Okay? That, that's how that works. So people who have these federal loans or federally backed loans are the ones who qualify for this 10 grand. Now, here's the other thing. A 10 grand um, forgiveness, that, that's a drop in the bucket. It really is. I know lawyers that have over $100,000 in student loan debt. They'll spend their entire careers paying it off. Okay, unless they become a civil attorney and make some big, big chunk of money at one point. But, you know, they'll, they'll spend their entire careers paying that stuff off. Okay, 10 grand. And if they make over 125 grand, they're not even getting that. Right, some people have $50,000, some people have 20000 Sure, if I had 25000 in student loan debt, yeah, the, the 10 grand would be helpful. But it's up $15,000 in student loan debt. Right. But here's the thing. Here's my proposal. Like, this is where I would differ from other conservatives and other commentators and stuff like that. Because the system is broken. I will acknowledge that the system is broken. Okay, I would acknowledge that it's wrong to come to these 18 and 19-year-olds and be like, hey, look, we're going to give you, you know, $50,000 in cash so you can go to college, so you can be indoctrinated, so you can get some stupid degree. And we don't even control what degree you get, so you can just get gender studies or underwater basket weaving or something stupid, something that's never really going to pay for itself. Okay, well, but hey, you know what? That's cool. You want to be a librarian? We're going to give you $60,000 so you can go get a degree and whatever that degree is called so you can be a librarian. Okay? That's fine. You're never going to make the, the money back to pay it us back. But that's fine. That, that's what we're going to do. Okay? But if you're 18 years old, good luck getting a business loan. If you're 18 or 19 saying, you know what? I've always wanted to start my own food truck and I wanted to have my own restaurant. I've loved cooking all throughout my teenage years. I make great food. I even got to that point where I'm cooking Thanksgiving dinner for my mom and stuff because I just, I love cooking. That's my thing. As soon as I'm out of high school, I want to start my own food truck because that's the cheaper way to go. I want to 
bring food and I eventually want to save up and, and get all this stuff. Can I get a business loan for that? Can I get a $30,000 business loan so I can buy a used food truck? Nope. Dad, can you help me out? Yeah, sure. I'll co-sign that. Right? Because that's, that's, that's eventually what's going to happen. Right? Can they get that loan? No. But can you get $50,000 with nothing, with nothing to repossess? Sign the dotted line and you can go to college? Yep. No problem. Do you see how that's broken? You see how that's wrong? Okay, there, there, there's an issue there. Now here, here's the other thing. Here's the thing that nobody ever really talks about. Well, some people do, but I've been talking about this for years. So here's the other issue. It's totally backwards. Why are we trying to figure out how to afford college? Okay, we live in capitalism, and it's competitive capitalism, right? Walmart competes with Target, but at no point do Walmart and Target just raise their prices and say it's your job to figure out how to afford us. No, they make themselves as cheap as possible and say, hey, come to us. Uh, we have products. We have products you can afford. We have quality products that you can afford. Right? People criticize Walmart, but I'll tell you right now, if you're poor or if you're low income, you love Walmart. You could, you could clothe your kids from Walmart. You could feed your family at Walmart right? and Target and all these places. Right? You, you love these cheap stores, but they're cheap because they're competitive. They're trying to get as many customers into their door as possible, and so they're trying to make their products as cheap and affordable as possible. Okay? That's how that works. So how come it doesn't work that way for the universities? Right? Why do we scramble and save up money and, and invest in these programs and apply for grants and do all this stuff so we can afford a university? How come the universities don't turn around and say, okay, we got to make ourselves affordable or, or we're going to go out of business? And some of these universities have big coffers. They, they, they have billions of dollars, and they turn around and just take all this grant money from the, from the federal government, from the state governments, all these assistant monies. And it's like, why? Why? These are multi-million dollar businesses. And we're trying to figure out how to afford them. So you can make an average income, average annual income of maybe, what, an extra $10,000 a year? This is ridiculous. I say flip the script. Flip the game. Okay, no, you know what? Make yourselves affordable or we're not going to go and you guys are going to go out of business. That's how that's going to happen. Come up with your own payment plans, your own loan plans, make yourselves affordable, drop your rates, drop those books, okay? Like who wants to pay 400 bucks for a book? Figure that crap out, okay? Flip the script. You want people to come to you? You want people to pay money to come to your school? Cool, make your school affordable. If not, nobody's going to go. And guess what? You guys are just going to fall apart and go out of business because we don't care. We don't care. 70% of jobs in this country don't require a degree to do them. Okay? So if your students drop off by 70% because the only people going to your school are, or, um, are uh, doctors and lawyers, well, they can afford to pay back their loans. Okay, but I don't care. I mean, the whole system is just broken and backwards. So going back to what I was saying earlier, if, if, I, was to, if I was in Biden's shoes... Okay, I wouldn't fit because they're really big clown shoes. But if I was in Biden's shoes, um, I, would, I would seriously consider, and this is where I differ from other conservatives, be like, hey, look, if you guys really want student loan forgiveness done, okay, I would take the Donald Trump approach and be like, look, we're already $30 trillion in debt. All right, let's just go ahead and do this. But it would be a complete reset of the system. We're going to pay off all these bad loans. We're going to make all these people happy. We're going to end federally backed loans and we would eradicate the Department of Education and we would tell 
private institutions. Either you guys can come up with your own loan programs or you guys can go out of business because we're not doing this anymore. Okay. I don't care if a university goes out of business because nobody can afford to attend them. Okay. They can figure their stuff out. Okay. Lay off staff. Cut, cut money for this and that. Okay. Turn your unit. And, and I would even consider changing the laws so they can be more for-profit places like for those uh, state universities or, or government uh, associated universities or, or colleges or, or stuff like that where these guys cannot um, – they sometimes can't make a profit. Oh, no, I would change all that. I will change all that. High school, yeah, you guys can make a profit. Go for it. If you guys can raise money um, um, selling food at football games and selling shirts and doing all that stuff, go for it. Go raise as much money as you want. Treat your school like a business. Okay, Treat your university like a business. Treat, treat your junior college like a business, like a multi-million dollar franchise. Okay, that's fine. Change all that. Okay, you guys can make your own money. Okay, you guys can make yourselves affordable. We're not going to help you out anymore. Enough's enough. Either succeed or fail. Sink or swim. Hey folks, if you're like me, I get really sick and tired of spending five, seven, eight, twelve bucks every day at Starbucks or Dutch Brothers or one of these other coffee places. And then you turn around and hear about places like Starbucks and how they treat law enforcement and how cops are getting kicked out. Well, I got a new company for you, right? If, if you're at that point where you just want to make good quality coffee from home, I want you guys to check out my new friends, 1097 Coffee. This is a law enforcement and veteran-owned local first responder theme business. Now, I want to pull this little expert from their website, 1097coffee.com, all spelled out, no, no numbers. 1097 Coffee was created in support of our first responders. This includes our military, police, fire, dispatchers, emergency medical service, and our motto is support to all. If you're looking for a company that supports causes you believe in, check out 1097coffee.com and order from their either medium, dark, or dark roast selections. That's 1097coffee.com, and you could also find them on Facebook or Instagram. Hey, folks. And we are back. You know, touching back on this whole student loan thing, I know it's it, the bush is beating, right? If you listen to other conservative commentators, everyone's just talking about how unethical and unreal this is. There's one point that was brought up by Matt Walsh, Walsh and a few others, um, and I just want to make sure I, I did not leave without pointing this out. There's really no such thing as student loan forgiveness. Okay, It's just debt transfer. And it's kind of what I was pointing out in my very first example about my truck, right? My truck is my debt. That's something I have to pay off, okay? Um, so when you forgive student loans, you're just paying $300 billion to give some people just a drop in the bucket because they will still have student loans over when this is done. And that debt is, isn't just being forgiven for them. It's being transferred to, to me and you, right? I don't have student loan debt. I don't. Okay, I paid cash when I went to junior college. Okay, I paid cash when I went to the police academy. If I needed help, my parents helped me out. Okay, I worked hard. I, I did a lot of stuff. I mean, that's, that's what you do. Okay, I had a friend who went, got a master's degree with no student loan debt. And she sometimes had to pay seven to $800 a month. She just got into payment programs and just paid her stuff off. No debt, no interest. Okay, she was just paying the university as she went along. And she said it was hard sometimes, but that's what she did. She worked hard. 
She had a full-time job while she was going to school. That's what you do. When you're young, you work hard so you can enjoy your golden years. That's the whole point of it. Okay? But yeah, he, Matt Walsh brought this up. He said, uh, there's no such thing as student loan forgiveness. There's only student loan transferal where the debt is transferred from one person who took out the loan to someone else who did not take out the loan. He's absolutely right. Okay? Your neighbors are paying this back. That's why I say it's unethical. That's why I say it's wrong. And on top of that, the other point is this. President Biden doesn't have that authority. Okay, he can't just wave a magic finger and sign a piece of paper and make this go away. Congress can do that. Congress holds the purse strings. A president is not supposed to just free up an amount of money and say, go send it here. That is not okay. That's unconstitutional. And that's why in the beginning I said, if it even actually happens. Okay, because I know how this administration works. They will announce it. They will talk about it. They'll say it's coming, it's coming, coming. Then after November election, when it's illegal and they realize they can't do it, okay, they'll just, it'll just quietly go away. And some people will look around and be like, how come this debt never got canceled? What do I have to do with this? Well, you're going to have to pay it off. And that's if, that's if uh, nobody actually follows through with it. Because like I said, it's technically illegal. So I, but I think we have a, an administration that really does not respect the rule of law. It's to respect the rule of power. And the rule of power is you can do what you want. You do what you want to stay in power. Okay? I think this was whole, this whole thing was just an effort to buy votes. This whole thing, just an effort to buy votes. Because why? Because as I pointed out many times on this program, the Biden administration has been nothing but a clown show for the last year and a half. Okay? It just, it's been unsuccessful. Okay? Everything they tried has just been an absolute failure. And if you don't believe me, follow through. Because they all announced something, we're doing this good thing. Liberals were like, yay! Clap, clap, okay? And then you follow through. I'm like, wow, this is an absolute poop show. Look at the border right now. You know what? We got, these are great people. We should bring them in. We should do all this stuff. Okay? They're absolutely overwhelming resources. We have fentanyl overdeaths left and right. Okay? People are getting killed. Okay? People are getting killed in the desert. Little girls are getting raped in the desert. Okay? It's an absolute poop show. Follow through. Follow through with these things. Follow through with these, these policies that you think you agree with. And you'll see what the actual results are. All right. Let me shift gears here for a second. I want to tell you guys a story. Um, I've, I've talked about this kind of thing before in the past where it's like if you see something, say something. But I've always applied it more to like active shooters, terrorists, that kind of stuff, right? So like if you're looking at your, your neighbors who are renting a house next door and you see them moving a bunch of fertilizer and diesel fuel into their garage, you may want to say something, right? Like... Um, so if you see something, say something, I want to tell you guys a story. Um, this actually happened New Year's Day in 2021, but the, um, the case itself was just recently, um, finalized and that's why I wanted to bring it up. So New Year's Day in 2021 in Florida at a restaurant called, I think called, um, choo -choo -choo -choo, it's over in Orlando and it's called, uh, Mrs. Potato Head Restaurant. Okay, I'm guessing they have a lot of potato-themed foods, which would make me very excited. But anyways, um, <laughs> so this young family's eating there, and this 11-year-old boy's sitting there eating, and it's New Year's Day, and the waitress noticed that dad ordered food, the little sister got food, mom got food, but the boy wasn't eating. They did not order food for the boy. Um, then she noticed that there was a scratch between his brows, he had a bruise on his eye, he had some bruises on his arms. And so she realized something was wrong. Something just felt off 
with this case. So she scratched out a sign. Do you need help? She stood behind the dad, who was Mr. Wilson, the stepdad, and held it up. And the boy originally indicated, no, I'm good. I'm good, right? I'm scared. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm 11, right? Um, then she, like, put up another sign, like, again, like, are you sure you don't need help of some sort? And finally, the boy kind of indicated, yes, I need help. Uh, the waitress consulted with her manager, said, call the police. She called the police, said, I don't know what to do. This is, boy has bruises. He's not eating. The rest of the family's eating. I think, I think there's something wrong in this house. Police showed up. They did a brief investigation, took the boy to the hospital. They found out he was 20 pounds overweight. He was a victim of abuse by his stepdad. Um, and the stepdad just got multiple life sentences in Florida. So... When I was a school resource officer, I would have these meetings with the teachers sometime over the summer before the school year started, and I would point stuff out to them, and I'd say, look, in this elementary school, in this middle school, uh, I had one school that was an elementary and middle school combination, <clears throat> and I was like, look, there's 500 students here, there's 700 students here, there's 1,000 students here, whatever it was, and I'd say, in this school right now, there's a kid who's being abused at home, okay? Maybe it's a lack of food. Maybe it's physical abuse, maybe it's sexual abuse, maybe it's mental and emotional abuse. Okay? If you see something, say something. And I did have teachers say stuff to me. And sometimes it was nothing. But I tell them, I was like, remember, you guys are all mandated reporters, and what that means is you guys just need to let me know. Okay? You need to let law enforcement know or let CPS know. Okay? Or both. And so what I did with them, because... They would come to me and say, hey, look, uh, li you know, little Johnny, uh, he's been coming to school for for last two days, and he's been wearing the same outfit both days, and then on the third day, he didn't show up. And I said, okay, cool. I would go to little Johnny's house. Why? Because that teacher saw something, she said something, and I'd go to little Johnny's house. And you know what sometimes I found? Sometimes I found the family was just really poor. And being poor is not a crime. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, but that's what I would find. I could offer resources. Go to the county and say, hey, you know, we can do this. We can do that for you guys. Assistance with housing, clothing. Sometimes it was just clothing. Like, they could pay all their bills. They could kind of make ends meet. They, there was food in the fridge. Um, it was just they didn't have any leftover money for a new pair of shoes and stuff like that. Cool. There's programs that can help you. Right? This waitress in Orlando, Florida saw something and she said something. Right? Was it a risk? Sure. That family could have, maybe it was nothing going on. You know, maybe the little boy had just eaten a big breakfast before he left and he just wasn't really hungry and he was just hanging out with mom and dad. You know, maybe it was just he played football and that's why he had the bruises. Who knows? But you know what? It's better to say something and be wrong than say something and, and allow somebody to just pass under your care and under your eye to go back to an abusive home. So um, that stepdad got multiple life sentences. Um, this boy was absolutely being tortured at his house. Uh, he was forced to perform 30-minute planks, and he was beaten if he failed. The boy said ratchet straps had been strapped around his ankles and neck. He uh, once was hung upside down from a door, and he had been beaten with a wooden broom and handcuffed while tied to a moving dolly. If you see something, say something. Without going into details, I've seen some torture cases in my career. Some pretty bad ones. Okay, there are some sick people in our society. There really are. And they're in every community. Okay, the larger the community, the more likely they are to going to be there. 
So again, if you see something, say something. It could be bruising on somebody's arms, something that's in the shape of fingers, uh, a belt marked across somebody's thigh. It could be um, someone who's just timid or scared. You know, you could have somebody who's just a totally type A outgoing personality, and then as soon as their mom or dad shows up, suddenly they're just quiet and reserved. Right? That could be a sign. And keep in mind, you don't have to let them know who you were that called. You can call CPS and be like, hey, look, I want to report this anonymously. Can someone go check this out? Um, this is what I saw. This is what I observed. This is where they live at. Right? And not everything has to be criminal. Like I said, it could be food. It could be clothing. It could be, you know, sometimes they just need services. Sometimes the best thing a, a CPS worker can do is come along and say, well, we're not going to detain your kids, but we're going to open up all these services for you guys. Could you guys help? Right? Or we might, we might take your kids temporarily and you guys can go get help with AA and NA and get some job, job help and some housing assistance. Right? They, they don't always have sad, sad endings. Right? I, I have seen it where you have good endings where the parents are just impoverished or dealing with addiction and they get themselves clean and they get themselves some help. And next thing you know, they're, they're doing good for themselves. Right? They don't always have to have sad endings. So don't be afraid to say something. Right? Just don't. Be brave. Be the change, right? Be the change in your community. Or be like this waitress, Miss Cavallo, and be somebody's saving grace. Because again, you never know what's going on. Hey folks, I realized the gold commercial for this was getting, well, old. So I decided it was time to re-record it. Grandma'spantrypocadella.com. That's Grandma'spantrypocadella.com. One of our oldest sponsors. It's Brian and Kim, my good friends. Uh, for all your custom jams and jellies, I have a case of them in my pantry right now. Very unique flavors. If you have guests coming and you want to just wow them with something different than your typical strawberry and grape, Grandma'spantrypocadella.com for your custom jam and jelly needs. Some people, some people just have all the luck. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just have all the luck. And it's, it's, you know, these are the people that win the lottery. These are the people that, you know, get free cars. These are the people that get, you know, whatever, right? That old man dies and leaves them some really cool stuff. Um, I never have any luck. And I'm definitely not as lucky as this Pennsylvania high school. Um, this Pennsylvania high school awaiting a delivery of textbooks got a box full of guns instead. <laughs> the screw-up left educators stunned. Right, of all the things you could accidentally get in a box, I mean, a box full of guns would be cool. The box contains six 30 caliber M1 rifles. Um, arrived last week at Chester High School in Delaware County. Um, so basically, they determined that they called the police. They determined that um, it was an honest mistake. I guess it was a typo in the address. The box was actually sent meant to go to a, uh, I think it was an auto parts guy or auto parts guy who was like a gun collector. He owned some store or something. And he was a gun enthusiast and a gun collector. I guess he bought six of these. I don't know why he needs six um, 30 caliber M1 rifles. Having one's cool. I mean, they do have some historical value. They used them in um, the Korean War and, and towards the end of the World War II. Um, these were the little rifles that um, paratroopers used. When you see like early versions of folding stocks and collapsible stocks, they, they would give them these rifles because they were Small, compact, lightweight, and a lot of paratroopers and stuff would use them. They used them a lot in the Korean War. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know why he needs six of them. Uh, unless he's reselling them for some reason. But anyways, uh, yeah, they, they confiscated them. But here's the part that kind of stood out to me. Um, the driver was concerned. The police investigated. They said it was an honest mistake. It was just, you know, something. You thought you were dropping off a box of textbooks. You ended up dropping a box of guns. They're going to weigh about the same. Um, but here's the thing. One parent, uh, Miss Gibbs, said, I think it's ridiculous. She's about, she's talking about her kid. She's about to start this year, and to hear something like that, I don't know if I wanted to bring my kid here. Are you kidding me, lady? First of all, guns were dropped off, not the bullets. Right? Second of all, it would have been pretty cool if the school said, hey, no, these are our self-defense guns, and we're going to have six of them stashed throughout the school. Certain teachers are going to be trained on them. So if there is an active shooter, boom, we got six rifles here ready to go to drop an active shooter. Cool. Um, I would actually feel like my school was safer. Like, hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for taking their safety. Oh, it was a mistake? Oh, my bad. Never mind. I was actually excited. I thought you guys were actually going to do something about active shooters and not just, you know, leave our schools defenseless and whatever. But this crazy lady, are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. Some guns were accidentally delivered. I don't know if my kid wants to go to that school anymore. <laughs> like, like, my gosh, some people. Some people. Other people's kids, I swear. Uh, yeah, some people were just, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know how to respond to that. Like, seriously, if I was the, the, the reporter and she had said that into a microphone, I would have looked at her and be like, lady, are you stupid? There's a typo in the address. FedEx accidentally dropped off a box and you don't want your kid to go to school. It's not the school's fault. Like I said, I would totally look the opposite. I'd be like, what? You guys are actually taking security seriously? You guys are actually going to bring guns on the campus to protect our students? I'm down. I am down. I've been saying that for years now. I'm like, the only thing that's going to stop an active shooter is a good guy with a gun. Whether that's armed security, whether it's uh, uh, armed uh, school administrators, whatever it is, right? Let them know. I think a big fat sign in front of the school saying, if you come here to do harm, or a big fat sign in front of the school that says, warning, staff is armed. If you come here to do harm, you may be met with deadly force. Boom. Cool. Ready to go. I'd send my kid to that school in a heartbeat. Yep. Good. I want my kid to go to that school. Even if it was just a bluff. <laughs> right? Having a sign like that out in front might actually do some good. Um, but yeah, that, like I said, some people have all the luck, man. I would love for somebody to accidentally send me a box full of guns. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. All right, let me tell you guys another story here. <clears throat> so, back in March of 2020, a sex offender was released from prison um, on parole, and he was provided with a GPS monitor on his ankle. And he disappeared. Uh, his monitor stopped working. They assumed, okay, well, I guess uh, he cut it off. And he just absconded, right? Not unheard of, right? That's, that's the risk you take with these, with these early release programs and stuff. It happens. So, of course, the warrants went out for him. Parole agents looking for him. People were looking for him for a while. Whatever. It's been two years. He'll eventually pop up, right? That's the thing about criminals is they eventually have police contact again, right? Someday, somehow. Well, they found him. Uh, well, I should say they found his bones. Uh, a landowner in Washington came across a set of human remains, and he called the police. The police started searching the area, and they found his ankle monitor, which, ironically, the last transmission they got from it was about that area. So I was kind of confused about that. I'm like, well, this guy went missing. Um, the last transmission he got from his ankle monitor was in that area. The, it, the article doesn't say anything that they searched that area for him. 
Um, you would think that if the monitor stops working, you would at least go search in the area or at least go hopefully find the monitor because those are expensive. Um, but no, they found his bones. They found his human remains. And so, I mean, here's the thing. It, it, it doesn't take the FBI to figure I think even the FBI could figure this one out. Um, convicted sex offender, registered sex offender, gets paroled out, put on a GPS monitor. Who do you think your suspect's going to be, assuming this guy was murdered? Right? Maybe the victim, a relative of the victim, father of the victim. And really, I mean, does anyone care? <laughs> like, like, does anyone actually care? Because I, I, I don't know. I, would, I mean, obviously, if I was a detective on this case, I would be like, all right, well, I'm going to put forth my due diligent effort to figure out who murdered this guy. Because, yeah, sure, a bad guy was murdered, but now we have another murderer in the world, right? It's kind of like the whole Batman conundrum where Batman said the reason why he doesn't kill people is because of the number of murderers remain the same. Meh. Right? So... Yeah, sure, I would make my effort to go find this guy. But, I mean, your, your, your suspect pool's got to be pretty thin. I mean, you got to pretty much know who did it, right? Or at least know who's related to the, person, the, the victim of the original crime or if there's multiple victims. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you got to have a direction to push. Here's what bothered me, though. So I posted this page or this, this article on our Facebook page, the Survey Peace Facebook page, and already there was people in the comments, and I can already tell who they voted for. Because they were already saying things like, well, that's not justice. That's wrong. That's not the way our justice system should work. Well, excuse me, minor attractive person. Why are you on my Facebook page? You know what I'm saying? Like, even if that's how you felt, and they're not necessarily wrong, right? We do have a justice system. But sometimes the justice system gets it wrong. Right? I mean, who in their right mind thinks a child molester should ever be paroled? Someone who does harm to children. Like this guy in Florida I was just talking about in the last, the last segment. Like, um, he had multiple life sentences. Considering what he did to this kid, just knowing some of it, he probably should have been executed. Right? Now, this guy is a, a sex offender. I don't know. I, the article doesn't say what his original crime was. So I don't know what the extent of his sexual offense was. Okay? Maybe he was just exposing himself to minors and he wasn't actually touching anybody. I don't know. But if we take the worst case scenario which would have been enough to make somebody want to do harm to him and kill him and leave him out in the woods someplace on somebody else's property, we could assume that what he did was pretty bad. And we could assume that maybe it was so bad that maybe the justice system failed because he probably should have been executed. Or at least multiple life sentences. Right? The whole point is when somebody proves that they cannot function in society without doing harm to others, you take them out of society. Right? That's the whole goal. Right now, sh sure for young, for smaller crimes, for other stuff, I and mean, that's why we have a jury of our peers, right? You you can justify maybe there's uh, rehabilitation efforts and stuff like that. But when it gets to a point, there is a violation of trust in society. So that's what you look at when you have sex offenders. You violated the trust. That's why we're going to put your address on the internet. That's going to let everyone who you are. Okay, it's not about shaming, although we don't care that you get shamed. It's about just giving it because you violated the community's trust. We cannot trust you. Right? This guy pissed somebody off. And I understand the sentiment. As a father of daughters, I understand the sentiment. Is it right? Nah. But speaking of this, right? Because this is a big issue in our society. And I want to bring up something else. So, 
Where is it? 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 UFC fighter Joel Bauman sent the message to Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he was referring to the Maxwell client list. Right? This this infamous client list where they apparently had hundreds of people, influential people throughout the world that was visiting um, Epstein's Island, right? We know that uh, Bill Clinton visited a, a couple dozen times. Uh, there's some other suggestions that there's other uh, people on this flight log. They tried to tie Donald Trump to Epstein. There was actually no connection there. Epstein was not on his flight, or Donald Trump was not on the flight logs. Uh, the closest these guys ever knew each other is they're both billionaires. There's only about 700 billionaires in the United States, so a lot of them do know each other. Um, they were neighbors in Florida. That's the only real connection. So they were in the same gathering sometimes. They've been at the same events sometimes. But Donald Trump, as far as I know, was never on the client list, so he was never on the flight logs. Um, some people argue that. Just If you're wrong, if I'm wrong, DTP at USA.com. Give me some serious sources, not just some assumption. Okay, I need an actual source on that. But as far as I know, there's no source on that. But anyways, um, so this UFC fighter is talking to Jimmy Kimmel. And he says, until they release the flight logs, you, the mainstream media, and Hollywood are all pedophiles to me. And then he sends some expletives and stuff like that. He's talking to Jimmy Kimmel. Now, here's the thing. Uh, is he right? Like, I kind of understand the point there. Until these flight logs, until these client lists are released, because there's really no reason to keep it confidential except for protecting people. Right? There's really no reason. Okay, apparently, uh, Beyonce's on this client list, or Beyonce's been on the flight logs. Right? But just because you're on the flight logs does not mean that you were uh, diddling in some of Epstein's stuff, right? You, you weren't with underage girls. I can't imagine Beyonce was you know, going to this private island and, and hanging out with underage girls and doing stuff, okay? I don't know because behind closed doors, people are very different, but I can pretty much say I doubt that was happening. But here's what probably could happen. You have this billionaire who's not super famous, but he gets to rub shoulders with a lot of famous people and a lot of people in politics and a lot of everything else. And some of these people are on the client list. Some of these people are people that he could say, yes, we're coming to the island, make sure these girls are ready, okay? Other people are people he just wants to know by association, because he had a private island. Okay? Now, if you're a celebrity, and everywhere you go, you're recognized. People are taking your pictures. You, you have a hard time going on vacation because you have to bring a whole entourage and security and all this stuff. Your vacation, which could cost maybe $5,000 in flights, is now going to cost you uh, $55,000 in flights because you got to bring all these people with you, and some of them are security people. you got to get these fancy hotels. You got to go... A lot of these celebrities will go to foreign places, not because just the experience of going someplace foreign, but because it decreases the chances of being recognized and blah, blah, blah. So I get it. So if I'm a, a multimillionaire singer and my face is my, is my job and people recognize me everywhere I go and I constantly have paparazzi everywhere and I have a hard time finding privacy because every time I go to the beach, there's some paparazzi hiding in the rock someplace, taking my picture that might be an embarrassing picture or something like that, blah, blah, blah. I get that. Okay, I get that. So, yeah, if a billionaire came to me and said, hey, man, I got a private island with a private bungalow and a private beach and there's no paparazzi out there. If you guys just want to go out and have vacation and just chill and hang out and, and have some actual privacy, that would be very tempting. I will give them the benefit of the doubt. 
But what we're interested in, not necessarily the flight logs, we're interested in the client list. Because the client list is the infamous list of people who they trusted with their secrets and their sex trafficking. These are the people who were their customers. Right? So don't confuse when you're looking at this whole Maxwell and Epstein stuff. Don't confuse the flight logs with the client list. Hopefully this stuff comes out. I'd love to see WikiLeaks find this list. I'd love to see this stuff come out. Apparently it, it exists. Apparently people have it. It's just confidential. During the whole Maxwell trial, that stuff wasn't brought out. Right? And I think there was like 300 people on it. So as far as I'm concerned, there should be 300 trials. But for some reason, our system's corrupt. The Democrat Party's corrupt. The FBI's corrupt. That's what we're learning right now. Okay, like there, there's just so much corruption in our government. And I know it's really cliche to say that. And I know I feel like I'm wearing my tinfoil hat every time I do. But the more you learn and realize, wow, look at this crime that was clearly committed by, by the Clintons and nobody cared. The FBI gave Hillary Clinton a pass on her private server. Okay, Donald Trump had some document allegedly in his house that was his privilege to have because he had executive privilege and they could take a bunch of documents with them when they leave the White House. Oh, no, that's a problem. That's a problem. You can't have that. Literally, Bill Clinton had recordings of conversations he had with foreign dignitaries um, in his sock drawer at home. Oh, no, executive privilege. No, that's fine. That, 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 that was his privilege to have those conversations. That was his privilege to have those recordings. Right? Do you see a problem here when, when it's not equal? That's an issue. But what do we do? In November, we're looking at a red wave, but are Republicans going to step up and start making changes? Are they going to start impeaching people? Not just the president, but cabinet members and stuff, people who, who are just failing to do their job, failing the American people. Are they going to have the courage to do it? Because we didn't see it during the Obama administration. Gave them the House, gave them the Senate. Well, that's just not enough. That's not enough. We, we need the, the, the White House, too. Gave them the White House. Did we see permanent cut, tax cuts? No. We saw some tax cuts, but not permanent ones. Right? It, it was amazing to me how much Donald Trump had to do through executive order because the Republican Congress was just not getting stuff done, and that was frustrating. Okay, I hope that we have a new generation of Republicans coming through who are motivated and saying, nope, we are going to be that Donald Trump generation, and we are going to get stuff done. But we'll see. I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. Right, folks, uh, I'm going to end it right there. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, DTP at USA.com. That's David Tom Paul at USA.com. And also, if your name starts with an S and ends with a cot, I have not forgot about you, young man. <laughs> so I will go ahead and end it right there. Have a good week, folks. Mm -hmm.